Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. My name is Drew Burns, and I'm a part of a small group of dentists who believe something crazy. We believe the standard of care is just not good enough. We demand the best of ourselves and the best for our patients. We believe the best way, no, the only way to practice dentistry is on our own terms. If you ask the dental consultants or the corporate CEOs, they tell you that what we're doing isn't smart, that fee-for-service dentistry is dead, and that the golden age of dentistry is over. Yet, while others focus on profits first, we focus on the patient first. And yet our offices are some of the most profitable in the entire country because we invest in ourselves and we are doing things right. It's our name on the door and it's our reputation on the line. My name is Drew Burns and I am a fee-for-service dentist. This is the Fee-for-Service Dentist Podcast and these are our stories. Okay. Hello, everybody. This is uh, our fee-for-service podcast. Today's kind of a special day on personal note for myself. Because my guest is my son. So this is not a remote Zoom. This is a in-person Zoom that we're trying to put together to share with everyone. And it might be a touch awkward for us, but I'm going to enjoy it. Hey, I might learn a whole bunch of new things about it. All right. <laughs> so let me give you some background. So Marcus is a graduate of the University of Delaware in 2012. He had a gap year in between. I'm going to ask him some questions about that. And he graduated University of Buffalo in 2017 with a DDS. And then he did his residency, GPR, at the SUNY Upstate Medical School um, residency, which also includes some time at the Veterans uh, Hospital. And I'm going to touch base with him on that. But uh, just a warm welcome. And uh, thanks for being here. This would be a lot of fun. How's it going? (laughs) <laughs> okay, he's gonna leave it on me to carry this baby. All right, here we go. He's not shy, so it's gonna it's not gonna take long. All right, so Marcus, let's start off. So let's talk about your schooling first of all. Um, you went to University of Delaware. Yes. Um, why? What 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 did you like about it? What intrigued you? Uh, well, I mean, for one thing, it was the furthest south that I applied, and that may not make a difference for some people, but. Uh, I was like, oh, okay, Delaware. It's like the South. It's really more of a suburb of Philadelphia, if anything. So the weather wasn't as warm as I expected it would be. Uh, the day I went to campus, the campus is beautiful. It's it's in the top engineering programs in this in the uh, the country. And so I thought I was going to become an engineer. Uh, you know, uh, Dupont, Gore-Tex. These these chemical companies have a lot of influence in the university and also have a lot of uh, research facilities there. And so I thought that's the path I'm going to go on until I took engineering classes. And then I had a change of heart. <laughs> Talk about that. So you started out in engineering. And yes. If I remember engineering, you had to declare which engineering major in your second semester, right? Yes. So I remember yeah. having those conversations that you were thinking civil and mechanical, right? Right. Yeah. I went into it thinking I was going to become a chemical engineer. And then I went towards mechanical engineering because I just, 
I was a lot better at physics and calculus in high school than I was in chemistry. That chemistry, I took, I started with AP and then I went back to Regents, which is the lesser level. And then senior year, I went to AP again to try to do it, but I had a bad case of senioritis. And so I just dropped the course entirely and slept in instead. <laughs> so that was my, that was my choice. It's a little um, culpa here. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, you know, ironically, I ended up taking more chemistry classes than any other. And I ended up, you know, tutoring kids and doing all sorts of things to be involved in chemistry. So I ended up enjoying it, but it wasn't, it wasn't a natural thing for me. So talk about then moving out of the engineering field and thinking, you, you did, what did you do or how did you come to dentistry as your next step? I know people are going to say, well, your dad's a dentist. It's simple. But I know you, and it's not that simple. So just tell us a little bit how that came about. Uh, no. If anything, you being, an, you being in dentistry made me not want to be a dentist <laughs> and give you that satisfaction. Because uh, <laughs> you would always tell me I'd be a good at a dentist, and I didn't believe you. <laughs> I just thought everything that I did, you would somehow finagle it into, and you would become a good dentist. Because uh, I that. tried that. Yes, you <laughs> did. Uh, um, Try to do it all my kids. I mean, when, when patients ask me why dentistry, I usually say I think there would be more people interested in dentistry if they had considered it as a career field. You know, if it was just another specialty in med school, I think we'd have a lot more dentists. Really? Because, yeah, because I think people go into healthcare and they think, okay, you know, uh, becoming a doctor, that's what I want to be. And, and, you know, certain certain pathways are, are, are different, you know, optometry and dentistry specifically. You have to you have to apply to those specific schools, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I was always of the opinion that if people really considered dentistry, they would choose it. Especially if you if you go to some hospitals and tell them that you're a dentist while you're in residency, they'll say, "I wish I had gone to dental school." Uh, often, and that's a little disconcerting because um, you know there are a lot of great aspects to dentistry, um, some of which I knew beforehand, some of which I realized after choosing it. Uh, that being said, um, you know, I was more around about way of doing things. Um, I knew I was good in chemistry. And so I tried to keep my options open. I tried to shadow, you know, our, our cousin, Eric, who you know, does emergency surgeries as an orthopedic surgeon. And I saw that and I liked it. I thought it was cool. He got to work with his hands. He's solving complex issues. What I didn't like about it is, you know, the patient for him came in already under anesthesia and he never met them. And it seems a little strange that the first time you meet someone you do a six hour surgery on is after they wake up from anesthesia. Mm -hmm. So um, I also like just the ability to build relationships with people over time. Um, The only thing that I think really differentiates say family medicine from dentistry is one, we see people twice, twice a year instead of once. Mm -hmm. And two, we, we actually get to physically do things with our hands and I know it's a little bit of a cliche to say, oh, why did you become a dentist? Oh, because I like to help people with my hands. But that's essentially it. Mm-hmm. So. so now let's go, let's go back again for a second. So you said you went and looked at an orthopedic surgeon mm-hmm. when you did. Mm-hmm. What other fields did you also look at? And then what ultimately said, eh, dentistry is the way? Well, uh, in high school, I was a huge fan of John Stossel. And I did look into journalism. Uh, I like to argue. And I looked into law. Um, <laughs> I liked economics, so I looked into financial. You hear that? If you like to argue, you're going to be a good lawyer. I don't know if it's, <laughs> I don't know if it's true because you also have to like to read. I don't like to read. <laughs> I like to read 3,000 pages just to argue for 10 minutes. 
Um, I, uh, you know, I shadowed, uh, there was the guy on Wall Street who was like, hey, why don't you come in with me one morning? <laughs> and of course, all the people in the financial industry are like, oh, my, my dentist has, you know, a so-and-so handicap. You should go to dentistry. He obviously has more free time than I do <laughs> to go golfing. So that was there. Of course, this was 2009, right after the financial collapse. So I could definitely see a lot of people in finance uh, talking about going into dentistry. And I know a lot of people in medicine talk about, oh, man, if I knew it was going to work this hard, I would just went to finance. <laughs> but uh, grass is always green. Yeah, That's always. I don't care what the story is, right? <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, okay, so so those were the things that you researched, and then you decided dentistry and and did it, was it really coming down to interacting with patients and working with your hands? Is that, uh, is that a big factor? I think it was really more problem solving, mm -hmm. really. That's, you know, that's what's really, I liked about engineering the most is being able to solve complex problems. Um, and, and, you know, someone comes to you, they've got this issue and there are multiple factors at play just because someone has tooth pain that can be fixed with a root canal doesn't mean that a root canal is necessarily the best option for them. You really do have to take a look at the whole picture. You have to take a look at, can we do this? How probable is this to work? And it's, it's, it's similar because you have a limited. The future of fee-for-service dentistry is based in membership patients. If you need help starting your membership plan, or if your plan is too big for your team to manage, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com to set up your free membership growth solution demo with our team. You know, not every tooth you cut is going to be perfect crowns. You know, you're going to have large cavities that just for one instance, uh, you know, there's, there's nothing ever by the book. You really do have to use your mind and think and weigh different cost benefits, pros and cons, and then distill them and, and try to educate the patient on what they're actually making a decision about when they do have a decision to make. So I like that aspect the most. <clears throat> um, it's an inexact science. <laughs> right. It's still probably been doing it for a long time. And still come, you still get surprises. So. <clears throat> okay. So now, contrary to our, our training, right? The choices mm -hmm. A, B, C, or D in school, and only one of them is right. Right. Dentistry, choice A could be right. Choice B mm -hmm. could be right. Choice C could be right. Yes. Son of a gun. Choice D might be right in certain situations. So that's a hard concept for a lot of folks to grasp. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's talk about dental school. So you got it. Well, let's talk about that year. So you finished uh, college. You changed after your first year to decide you wanted to go into dental school. So you had to find a major that worked for you, um, that you could still not like forfeit that first year altogether, all right? And mm -hmm. then you could still graduate and stuff. So you took a major in, what was it? Exercise science. Okay. I spoke to my advisor. It was a relatively brief conversation. I said I wanted to do dental school and I asked her what, you know, what I could do for that. And she recommended biology, chemistry, or exercise science. And I was like, what's exercise science? And she explained it that it's a lot of the same courses. I've had to take a few extra that were outside of my major, like organic chemistry. Mm -hmm. And the plus side is I wouldn't have to take a language for four years. And I was like, well, sign me up. I didn't take... I didn't take a third year language in high school. I, you know, some days I wish I had, but other times I meet people who majored in Spanish that still can't speak it. So it's not, it's not a big deal for me. Um, that was a, that was a big turning point for me. And since I already had a lot of my electives had to be the engineering courses I'd already taken 
I was like, well, two more, it's not a big deal. So I chose exercise science and I'm glad I did because a lot of the biology they teach in biology, they'll go over plant biology, fungus biology, and all that good stuff that's on the DATs. Uh, but in exercise science, they go over human anatomy, human physiology, things that you would eventually take in dental school anyway. And so I thought it was an excellent major mm -hmm. for anybody going into the healthcare field because as much as I care about trees, uh, I'm not going to be, you know, felling a, a, a branch anytime soon. So. Okay. So you decide exercise science. Yes. You, you, you're on track, you graduate, <laughs> uh, you've got to get your grades at a certain point. So, so mm -hmm. what was the next process? For you was going to be applying to dental school mm -hmm. and and what what happened in that interim sort of towards your senior year uh towards the senior year you have to get approval from the board of uh of, of their pre-dental society the pre-health oh. yeah and so you know she starts with why do you want to be a dentist and i give her my my explanations and she didn't think that those were adequate explanations and <laughs> And which is great Always because she's, she's, she's not a dentist. So I, I was like, I grew up with dentists. I interviewed a bunch of dentists. I, I know what I'm talking about. Uh, but she, so you have to play the game. You have to, you have to tell them what they want to hear. And then, then you can tell your dental school interview the truth, um, which is, you know, uh, so they, um, they require a certain number of letter of recommendation. They require you to also be interviewed by dentists in the community, which I thought was excellent because, um, well, one, I'm good in person. Uh, <laughs> much better in person uh, than, than uh, as comparable to like on paper. But, you know, you meet someone and they, they sort of get it. And you describe one of the guys, it was Dr. Usmani down in, Delaware and he he got his MBA uh, DDS MBA at Temple and I was talking to him about what his process was for that because I likewise was very interested in economics and you know I guess I suppose the theory of money rather than actually you know an MBA what that is and he you know he went through it he said he thought it was worth it and he didn't have a background um, you know, he didn't have a, a, a practice set up or someone close to him that could teach him how to run a dental business. And so he, he was very much pro uh, that. And, you know, I'm looking, you know, I'm looking around his office and he had a lot of people employed that looked like him. I assumed that they were relatives of some kind. And I described how I would work in the office, you know, uh, ripping up papers when the, uh, when the paper shredder wasn't working or, <laughs> you know, just doing little jobs around the office, even when growing up and um, knowing that I, I sort of am familiar with the environment. And I think we got along, we discussed strategies within dental school. Um, I'm sure he recommended me highly, but you know, there, the bigger hump for me was getting people in academia who don't practice dentistry to approve of me wanting to to do those things. And it's something against them. They have their own incentives and they, they do make sure you have grades that are good enough and that you they'll recommend, you know, certain classes of your senior year to help boost, you know, your acceptance into dental school. But overall, I think it was talking to the different dentists in the area that really solidified my decision and made me more confident that I was doing the right thing and for the right reasons. Okay, so now you 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 get the recommendations, right? So mm -hmm. 
your the, the way I understand it, um, thinking back now, was they didn't recommend you for dental school because they weren't convinced that you had all the adequate qualifications at that point. Mm -hmm. Then you took your DATs. Yes. And you did outstanding. Mm -hmm. And now all of a sudden they changed their recommendation. Right. Right. So. And I think that's fair. Well, I think the thing is that this this is a this is a little point that I think is a misleading thing that that colleges can do. Because like, I remember mm -hmm. myself when I went to college, I remember asking them, you know, "What's your percentage? How many people apply to get to dental school?" Oh, it's ninety-eight, not hundred percent. I'm ninety-eight. Yeah. And when it, the reality of it is, if you have a hundred kids that enter into a program, and if you've already told seventy-five of them, "Listen, you don't have the grades. We're not recommending you." You don't use that factor. Anymore. Now you're taking mm -hmm. the next 25, and if you get 20 out of 25, right, it's 80%, yeah. you know? So it's it's a, it's a skewed statistic. Yes. So it's really unfair, and I think that that I think that was a unfortunate situation. Mm -hmm. So so you graduate, you didn't really get... Well, to play, to play devil's advocate, yeah. I do think that it's important to not encourage people to apply to things that are so far beyond their reach that they're not going to get it. It's uh -huh. not... You know, I, they, I still had the option of applying to the dental school on my own without their approval. Uh, I just think it's a good, you know, sort of like the way the intro classes try to weed out students that aren't, don't have the aptitude for, say, chemistry or biology. Uh, it's another way to give them realistic expectations and tell them, you know, a 3.2 is not going to look stellar on a, an application. And so to give them... I mean, they, they're not the ones approving you for dental school, but I do think that that having a bit of a filter or at least some sort of uh, proxy is not in and of itself a bad idea. Okay. Um, I still think when a person's that close, right? I think it should be like, that's close enough. You, gotta, you know, not just, because it's all about numbers, right? And, and yes. those numbers, then you can advertise it. So, you know, you know, if you want to go to dental school, please come to our university. We have a 95% acceptance rate. Mm -hmm. I think that's just, I, I think as a, as a parent, ask deep. If you, if you have a child or if you have a kid or you're thinking of going to dental school and you're looking at colleges, ask those questions. That's my advice. That's true. You know, get, get the real data. Okay. So what did you do in the, in the interim? Because you didn't apply at that. Right. So what did you do that the following year? Uh, following year, I, I lived here. <laughs> in this house. Oh, yes. Uh, um, I, I worked for you and I also took classes at the local university. More specifically, I took classes in biochemistry and histology. Uh, I wanted to prove that I had the aptitude for dental school by taking some dentist classes that I would be taking in dental school. Um, I didn't do stellar in anatomy in college. I did pretty well in physiology, though. I did pretty well in that. Yeah. But just as an added bonus, I know some universe or some dental schools require biochemistry and histology. I figured they, they teach it. I'm here. Might as well get my beak wet, find out what I'm getting myself into at dental school. Good point. Um, and doing that on a full working schedule also shows that I can manage my time well. So you apply and you got waitlisted. I did. Yeah. I forgot Buffalo. That. I did. Yeah. Sorry to remind you, but you yeah, got waitlisted. I did. <laughs> I did, which didn't didn't relieve my stress at all. 
<laughs> so you got we, we went for the interview. I'm gonna guess it was in the spring, right? Yeah, it was a little late getting my application in because it had to do, of course, with the University of Delaware. <clears throat> I had one name um, for them, which was the person I had been in contact with, but I was supposed to put the head of the board on my application. And so for that, uh, it wasn't fully processed until I went back and actually figured that out. So sat in limbo for a while. Yeah. And so, you know, without that uh, pre-dental board advisory recommendation from Delaware, you know, on the one hand, maybe I wouldn't have been as prepared, but on the other hand, I would have got my application in months sooner. So mm -hmm. it's a double-edged sword. Anyway, so it all worked out. Uh, <laughs> I got one of the later interview spots. I remember talking at length with uh, one of the, you know, Dr. Brown at uh, mm -hmm. University of Buffalo when it came to the uh, ethics question. Uh, I don't know what all the other dental school interviews are like, but uh, University of Buffalo, they had uh, an ethical question. And I remember exactly what the question was. And I remember looking at it from both sides and really speaking to my understanding of the issue on both sides, but then ultimately choosing one. And half the people I talked to in dental school had chosen the other one. So obviously it wasn't about choosing the right answer, but I think they wanted to know your process of thinking mm -hmm. on an ethical basis. Mm -hmm. uh, essentially what it was, was there are underserved communities in the United States. And if the dental school wanted to accept more people from those communities in order to serve those communities um, after dental school and I technically don't we live in an underserved community right oh, yeah. 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 so it, it's you know he's like hey should we offer this to you because you live here um, <laughs> uh, I said I, I said I understand the the pro side uh, people from certain communities are more likely to return like myself uh, but on the con side, I said, I don't think you should accept people in dental school who don't have the aptitude to become adequate dentists and lower the standards for the dental profession. I also said there's no guarantee that people from those communities are going to stay in those communities. Mm -hmm. More than half of my class, I feel like, left New York State to begin with, mm -hmm. let alone leaving their own hometown. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of good intention policies that don't always have the results they all right, so you go to Buffalo. Um, so I said I argued against accepting me. I was like, don't accept me because I'm from this area. Accept me because look at this beautiful DAT score. But but you know what? I mean, I think I think your point is valid, and I think that's probably one of the most important things that the education process should be teaching is the the uh, thought process of you talked about dentistry problem solving, um, relationships, um, all those things. It's just what's it. You know, it's it's our profession, and as long as we take care of it, I think it will be good to everybody and be good for the, for the, for the public, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think that's an interesting concept. We never had that when I was yeah. when I applied, but I applied in the dark ages. He, so, he also asked, why do you think um, dentists don't want to go to those underserved areas? And I said twofold, uh, you know, one, if, if you don't, you know, not everybody grew up going to the dentist uh, twice a year. And so there's a lot of extra work getting people um, to understand what, what dentists do. And, and some dentists, I think, don't want to do that. I think they want to step into an environment that's a little bit uh, more what they're used to. And that's, that's fine. And the other, the other thing is, you know, if you're talking to someone who's never been to the dentist before, 
and they're in pain and you explain the pros and cons of saving the tooth versus taking it out. You know, I think the example I used was uh, it's hard to tell someone who's a trucker who's been on the road with a toothache for the last 48 hours that he's better off saving it um, than, than taking it out uh, if he just doesn't have the funds. It's, it's, you can sympathize and empathize with someone who, who makes choices that you don't think is the number one choice, but it's still, you're still doing them as a great service and getting them out of pain. And I think um, people going into dental school, if they're not used to having those tough conversations, like I had to have as an assistant, they may shy away from it. Good point. Okay, so University of Buffalo, four years there. Um, anything during those those years that stand out to you as have shaped you today or anything that you think of now you go back to wonder what I would have done with Dr. Well, for me, it was Dr. Patrick Hart. Mm-hmm. What Patrick Hart would have told me to do in this situation. Is there anything that you can remember any experiences in those four years like that? <laughs> um, on the technical side of dentistry, for sure. I, you know, I can't tell you how many times I cut a plastic number 19 for a crown. <laughs> it's just, it's at this point, I'm... <laughs> Ours was number three. Ours I, was thirty, but yeah, <laughs> okay, yeah. And uh, Dr. Anderson would tell me, uh, you know, I'm sure you could you could close your eyes and picture what number nineteen looks like. And I said, I can. It's it's in my dreams, even in my nightmares. Uh, I think what I remember most from dental school, particularly from from the dentist, is, is seeing how much fun they would have and interacting with the patients. And I, I remember one of the first times I was like. Did you two know each other? He's like, no, I just met him today. And like just being able to build that rapport, I, I looked at some of their mannerisms and some of their techniques. And like, you know, have, you have a patient who's, you know, a little rougher around the edges and not super happy and friendly in the chair. And how, how did they respond to that? You know, and I think those are the things that they don't really teach you. You have to sort of look at their example and say like, oh, that's the kind of dentist I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, that's great. So that's one thing. The other thing is, is just having the, uh, you know, taking a step back and thinking, what, what would my dental school professor think of this treatment plan? Like, am I, am I just, you know, checking boxes and giving them the recommendation? Or am I really getting an idea for what the patient wants? Because you're, you're with your patient for like three hours every appointment. So you got plenty of time to talk and figure out what they're doing and why they're doing it. And I've had to change a few treatment plans based on that. They're like, oh, I thought I would have a, a denture next week. No. <laughs> you know what? Let's go. Let's, let's, let's circle back to that in a little bit because I, I wanted to ask you about what you did with your treatment planning in dental school and now having a year residency and now essentially two years in private practice, how have you changed that? But I'm going to come back to that. Okay. Oh, okay. So I think that's sure. That's a huge relevant point, especially for some of the younger dentists that are going to be listening. Okay. So you graduated and now you're going for a residency program and you decided and you settled in Syracuse at the mm-hmm. upstate medical, Yes, which also had a component at the VA, mm-hmm. which what you had expressed to me were two very different clinic experiences. Yeah. Right. Um, share some of your experiences there and how they help shape you. Okay. Um, well, I definitely, when I was looking at, <laughs> when I was looking at residencies, I really wanted to know where am I going to do the least amount of lab work? 
I was done with that. Um, and the other thing I was looking at was uh, implants, which I think is not the best uh, way to look at it, especially when it comes to, because I think that ultimately what I got from SUNY Upstate, in addition to those things, was a, a great experience at the VA, uh, as well as, um, I want to say proctors, uh, you know, the head of the clinic, the attendings that really do care about you and your your learning and your development into a good general dentist. Totally different than those. Yes. Yeah. Um, and they're also personable and they also give great insights. And because their clinic is a little bit different than a dental school clinic, they can, it's closer to what you're going to be working with the rest of your life. Uh, so, you know, finds might be an encyclopedia on dental diseases and weighing the, the pros and cons of uh, all the complicated medical afflictions that a lot of people who have who have to go to residency programs to get adequate dental care. Thines is Dr. Terrence Thines. Yeah, he was also an instructor of mine in Buffalo and he's a um, leader in like, <coughs> infection control programs. If you're, you know, if you're licensed in New York State, you're going to come across something that he's either written, or, or, or presented, or you know, OSHA infection control. He's the guru, and uh, mm -hmm. his lectures are. He's a wonderful man. His lectures are god awful boring, but he's a great guy, and uh, and, and that's who Marcus is referring. Yeah. Referring to. Sorry, Doctor Time. Yeah. I love you, but I probably have a fell asleep too many times in your class. I probably have a box of studies that he wanted me to read before you know, choosing the right things. And a lot of it comes down to like A1C levels and, and just managing those, those diseases that you may not see in dental school. You really may have, makes you think. Yeah. You have a lot of unhealthy people just getting out of chemotherapy, just about to start radiation therapy. When you see 20 of them in a year, you know what to do at the end of it. And so that was an excellent experience. And you've helped me with that too. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, as far as the VA is concerned, you know, um, there's certainly a lot more hoops. There's a lot more, um, especially for the patients themselves, they'll, they'll tell you. Um, being able to only see someone once every three months because you're so backed up is difficult. But on the other hand, the patients at the VA are so wonderful and thankful for you doing this for them. And it's not always the same as the university clinic, which I would say, you know, maybe it's one out of 20 people that give you a really hard time, but you know, sometimes you let that one in 20, that 5% like ruins your day. Uh, whereas VA, I almost never had that experience. They're, they're just so wonderful and thankful and it makes you want to do as much as you can for them. Um, you know, uh, also you, you cut a lot of crowns at the VA. You get a lot of crown and bridge work done there. Whereas uh, our clinic only covered Medicaid, what Medicaid would cover. And so for that, you know, if they're not covered under pediatric Medicaid, there's few and far between procedures where they'll actually let you do a crown. And so I thought that was unfortunate for the patient, but you know, in that case, you try to do the, you know, the best darn buildup you can do and try to make it last as long as you can, which is a skill in and of itself, but it's, it's not, uh, it, it, you know, it's not, it's not uh, textbook dentistry. It certainly wouldn't get approval from uh, the EDA for their uh, JADA. So. Well, let me ask you this now. So you're in the residency, you do that for a year. Yes. How many other residents were with you in this program? 
we had five other residents and we were all actually from university of buffalo which is not a common thing um especially because between st joe's which was my other top choice uh, also in Syracuse. yes also in syracuse they have a great program too they were usually known as the ones who got all the buffalo kids uh so on the one hand you know you don't get to meet anybody new and see how different programs do it and so that's not great but the other hand everybody in in, in my residency had taken the same classes and we all kind of knew what our thinking was even if we didn't fully express it to each other and we also you know how <clears throat> first week of dental school or first week of something you have like orientation you getting to know people uh after our first like day of orientation we all just went home we already knew who we were we didn't like hey let's go to the park let's go get sunny it's like no i already know you know and, and already like i'll see you tomorrow <laughs> uh but i had a great time i think we were very cohesive and covered for each other uh like I couldn't see patients with cystic fibrosis because technically there's a lot of cross-contamination that could happen between us. So they would pick up those patients and I'd have to pick up, you know, theirs. I'd owe them one. But having that social cohesion helps, I thought, a lot. So some background, Marcus is actually a cystic fibrosis patient who has a, would you call it, a low-level form of the disease? What would you call it? Um, I say a mild version, mild, milder version. Okay, so that's why the the conflict with CF patients—they don't mm -hmm. typically like two CF patients within a certain. You know, that's mm -hmm. the definition of social distancing before we learned about it. There's a movie called Five Feet Apart. Five Feet Apart, and uh, it just goes. I mean, even within households with multiple people with with uh, CF, because the bacteria that develops within the lungs of a person with CF is so virulent and devastating. You don't want people, two people together who can transmit those, even though they're the general population, they'll be fine. So. Okay. All right, so let's, let's, let's move forward now. So in, in your residency program, at what point was your career thoughts, where, where did you come up with the idea that uh, you were gonna come into the practice with us? Because um, uh, I know that was a, that was a subject I didn't want to push or pursue. I thought mm -hmm. you kind of had to come about that on your own. I think mm -hmm. I said, listen, we have a spot. We'd love to have you, mm -hmm. but we want you to want to be here and not feel like you have to be here. So mm -hmm. how did it go about for you? You know, how did that genesis, how did that idea develop? I think I went into the residency knowing I was probably going to come back here. Uh, it was in dental school where I wasn't sure. Uh -huh. I remember in dental school, I mean, I wasn't even sure if I was going to be a general dentist, to be frank. Uh -huh. um, I thought maybe I'd try to go to oral surgery because uh, I saw a lot of the cool stuff the oral surgeons did and thought that was, you know, mm -hmm. just awesome. You know, uh, really intricate, you know, talk about complex problem solving. Um, I ended up obviously coming back and I think it was realizing the importance of mentorship in dentistry. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the Nintendo Nacho guys with Paul. Paul Goodman. Paul Goodman. Yeah. He, he, you know, I think the reason he started the Dental Nachos group was to get different people to, you know, converse and talk to each other. And so I, I knew I definitely wanted to be in a group practice. Mm -hmm. Just seeing the way that you and Dr. Brian and Dr. Jen would take a look and say, you know, do you think, you know, two teeth on this side, one tooth on this side is going to be enough to hold a bridge? And then talking about, like, oh, well, you know, the front lower teeth, they have more ribbon like like root structure and just to see that 
that even dental professionals have questions and are, look to each other to, to help discuss an issue or a case study. It, it really made me realize I definitely wanted to be in at least a group practice mm -hmm. of some kind uh, just for that. And the other thing was uh, talking to recent graduates from UB, talking about their experiences going into different practices. Mm -hmm. And some of them, God bless them, they started their own practices by themselves and are doing quite well. Hungry Shingle. Yeah. Well, actually, I don't know. He may have bought a, an older practice and then just converted it to his. Okay. But it's, it's him. It's just him up mm -hmm. in Rochester. Shout out Antonio. Uh -huh. I should bet. I actually have never known how to pronounce his last name. Uh, <laughs> But uh, he graduated with you? No, he was a grade above me. Okay, he so was he actually was... one of the few guys who could speak Italian in the school, so I thought that was awesome. Oh, yeah. So he's one year ahead, so you were able to get some insight even as you <laughs> enter your residency. He's entering the real world, essentially, right? Well, I think he, I think he did a couple of years outside of it, but he, he okay. knew he wanted to do it himself. He, okay. he knew from the start that he wanted to have okay. and own his, his own practice, steer his own ship. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's pretty awesome. That's not very common among my, my contemporaries. Mm -hmm. uh, and I had other people go for dental interviews at certain places, and I won't name names, but they go and they, you know, they're like, how do you do this? How do you do that? How do you make sure it's as good? And the, and the person interviewing was like, you don't have to worry about this. You don't have to worry about that. And they were like, this goes against everything I learned in dental school. This goes against... Mm -hmm. Not just the standard of care, but the ethics. Like, how can you do this to a person? It's um, numbers and quotas. Yeah, it's 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 weird to think that that's what some people are unfortunately faced to, mm -hmm. to deal with. And I think uh, who was the doctor in Sydney that we were talking to at the airport in uh, Detroit? He was telling us he's on like every board. Oh yeah, Scott Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dr. Benjamin, where he was talking about how some people get in these contracts where if they don't produce enough, they'll owe money to the person who's employing them. And that just seemed yeah. uh, wrong. That's crazy. It just seemed completely wrong. Um, it's, it's, <clears throat> so it's, it's all about the goal, right? Who has mm -hmm. the goal makes the rules, you know, the golden mm -hmm. rule. And uh, there's situations right mm -hmm. now to that point of, people selling their practices to corporate entities because they're paying a big dollar number, like uh, five, six, seven times EBITDA. Mm -hmm. And that number, they also in their contract, right? If after two to three years, they feel or find something that they feel was overpaid, mm -hmm. they get that money back. So oh, okay. no, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, is, is it the contract or is it kind of a, rubber check you know you don't know it's Ooh. it's it's there's some things out there that uh, you, you just got to keep both eyes open and hopefully have good advisors huh. okay so let's talk about your first year in practice what were your expectations coming in oh, sorry i forgot to mention oh sorry one thing i didn't realize um <laughs> i didn't realize how much i would miss the patients at the office after assisting you for a year <laughs> oh yeah uh, there's yeah there's certain people I, I remember from even when i was assisting i looked forward to seeing them every day and I, I think I even talked to Dixie about it and I was like it's amazing I you know coming back like you're not homesick per se but you, you actually do develop these relationships with these people and um even as an assistant mm -hmm. and you uh you miss that and so I think that was a huge part of me coming back it wasn't just that I was born and raised here but that I 
you know, I missed, I missed some of the patients mm-hmm. and I knew I, I, I'd be in a, a good environment. I also make the joke that it's nice to have a boss that you think cares about you. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the fee for service dentist podcast. If you would like to share your fee for service story, please fill out our contact form at ffsdentistry.com. Also, be sure to join our fee-for-service dentistry Facebook group. For help starting your dental membership plan, visit dentalmembershipdirect.com and membershipmastercourse.com. Finally, for help with in-house financing, visit dentalfinancingdirect.com. And don't forget, your story is what you make of it. This is your name on the door and your reputation on the line. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next time.